Welcome to Turkey Gobbledygook, a Thanksgiving-themed podcast. (laughs) The aesthetic of this Thanksgiving is just a handful of mashed potatoes smeared across a plexiglass barrier. (laughs) That's the aesthetic of this Thanksgiving. Just taking, like, some cranberry sauce and gravy and just smearing it all over that plexiglass barrier just to try to share some warmth and share some love with the uh you know your common everyday folk build a scarecrow out of mashed potatoes build a scarecrow out of mashed potatoes for bully purposes for bully purposes for holy purposes okay i kind of like that like okay so it's obvious that all like Life as we know it, right? All holidays, systems, everything. It's outdated, right? We're about to upgrade. So there is a lot of room. There's a lot of intellectual real estate that is about to be up for grabs that hasn't been up for grabs for a very long time. And I think what Bree is suggesting is that Thanksgiving needs a new deity, a scarecrow made out of mashed potatoes and gravy courses through his veins. You get out the set of spoons that you save only for this occasion. You lay them in the center of the table and as a family you partake in the gravy trough. The scarecrow gravy trough. Bless your beautiful hide wherever you may be. I ain't found you yet, but I'm willing to bet you're the topic for me. Come to think of it, that, well, you hear the fan kicking on, just, it'll go away in a sec, but... Come to think of it, maybe that is a topic. There was this old musical called Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which has that song that I just sang and man I grew up on that musical we had it on VHS it was probably made in the late 50s early 60s it's in color so probably early 60s maybe mid 60s it's in color though it is the 60s it was in the 60s it's set in the 1800s it's set in like frontiers days so it's like in the west probably like oregon like that type of place and there's a bunch of settlers and there's these brothers and they're all like ruffians there's seven of them they live up in the mountains just seven dudes and the oldest brother this is how the plot starts literally it's just the oldest brother going into town and being like i'm coming back with a wife when I set my mind to it, I get what I want, goddammit. And I'm coming back with a wife. And so he just starts, like, trolling the town, singing, Bless your beautiful hide wherever you may be. I ain't meant to yet, but I'm willing to bet you're the bride for me. Pretty and trim, but kind of slim. Heavenly eyes, but all oh, that size. Gotta be right. To be the gal for me. So, okay, first of all, 
anyone cringe as I was singing that? I don't think it would really pass in today's standards. He's just like walking around like gandering at these women and they know. He's not being subtle about it. He's like walking up getting in their face like heavenly eyes. He looks down at her butt. He's like below that size. A lot interesting in that. I mean that would be the ideal in today's culture but but yeah at, at that time and place it wasn't it just wasn't right for him you know. But anyways, I, I think I'm just going to give like a plot synopsis of this movie because it's so bizarre. So, <laughs> he does indeed find himself a wife. He's looking for someone who can work and who can cook. And he finds her. And he goes in and he like samples her cooking. Obviously, is the first thing that he does. And she wants to impress him for some reason because I guess he's got big dick energy. And she's like, so how is my cooking? And he's like, damn good. So then he just walks up to her while she's milking a cow, again, proving that she knows how to work. He walks up and he's like, hey, so, uh, marry me. And she's just like, oh, uh, and then he's like, yeah, but you know, you should, because I live far away. I want a wife, so just marry me. So then she says yes, because again, I guess this guy has the biggest dick energy of all time. And they get married within like a few hours of meeting each other. And he, like, is taking her back through this scenic passageway. And she's, like, singing all these songs about, like, I can't wait to be one-on-one and be in love with my one man with nobody else in the picture. And he's all, like, trying to tell her that he lives with six other dudes, but he just can't get a word in, like, sideways because she's just singing the whole time about how much she just can't wait to be in her mountain paradise with her one love of her life. So she gets there, there's a bunch of dudes, they're all gruff, none of them have ever, you know, seen a lady, so they're all, you know, you know, I don't don't have to get too colorful in that. She whips them into shape. She, like, cleans them all up, forces them to, like, she washes all their clothes, forces them to all shave and, like, clean up and look presentable. They all respect her because I guess since they've never really had a woman in their life, they realize that women are actually, like, true power, I suppose. Which, you know, to the film's credit, with all the misogyny and stuff, I think the film is actually supposed to be, like, empowering to women for its time. But it's just odd how it doesn't play that way. Well, we'll we'll keep getting it. It gets worse and worse. So basically, there's a barn raisin where all the people from the town get together to raise a barn for this dude. And the brothers come in. There's like a big picnic. It's a big party. Everyone's happy. Everyone's dancing. And the brothers have like basically learned how to court from the wife. She teaches them. She's like, So here's some things you have to do if you want to get screwed. Da-da-da-da. You touch her face. Then the strategy comes into play. So she's basically teaching them how to like win hearts over. She gets them all all polished up. They go. They start stealing all the girls, metaphorically, and that's an important distinction, as you'll see later on. They metaphorically they steal the hearts of the girls from all of like the young men in the town. Like the town men, they just can't compete with the raw primal 
big dick energy of these mountain men. And the mountain men are like better dancers. They're like, they win in arm wrestling. Feats of strength, feats of dancing, and just general suavity. They got it. So the girls end up liking them better. They start raising the barn, and they do it as like a competition. So there are four teams, and they each have to get a side of the barn up. And the brothers keep getting sabotaged because all the town people don't like them. And when I say sad, like they're getting like hit in the head with hammers. Like these dudes on the other teams are actually like almost giving them like serious brain damage, you know? But they won't fight back because they promised the wife of the oldest son that they wouldn't fight or anything. They promised that they wouldn't like cause any trouble. But eventually the oldest brother gets hit in the head with a hammer and they just freak out. And so they just beat everybody up. But on the other side of that, they like go back to their cabin in the woods and they're like, man, we love all these girls, but they'll never let us see them ever again because we beat everybody in the town up. And so the wife comes to the the oldest like brother and she's like, you've got to do something. They're all so sad. And he's like, okay, I'll do something. And his solution, his solution to their sadness is he goes in and he says, okay, so look, they aren't going to let you, like, date these girls because of this fight that happened. So what we're going to do is we're going to go in at nighttime and we're going to just kidnap them. We're going to just kidnap them and then keep them at our mountain. And they'll hate us at first, but then eventually they'll like us. Because they did like us, you know, eventually they'll kind of, like, Stockholm Syndrome it. So that's his plan. And the song that he's singing is he's like... Oh, the women were sobbing, 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 fit to be tied. Every muscle was throbbing, throbbing, throbbing. Well, they acted angry and annoyed, but secretly they were overjoyed. And like, okay, that song's probably the most misogynistic one. Because the whole thing is literally about like, he's comparing what they're about to do to this story of... Um, like the Trojans or the Spartans or whatever who like went and stole women and just impregnated them and made them sit at home while they go off and fight he's like (laughs) there's literally one part in the song where he's just like and the women sat at home crying wishing one day they would have rights passing all of their nights just sewing and I'm not I'm not embellishing like those are more or less the exact lyrics So they go and do it. They kidnap these girls. Obviously, they're freaking. They get back, and the wife of the oldest son is like, what are you doing? Why would you do this? That was a horrible idea. And the oldest son is like, I can't believe she just yelled at me. I'm going to go whine and cry in the woods for a while. So he goes off to this, like, hunting cabin where he can be by himself. And then it just pretty much goes according to plan from there on out. Like... The the brothers start wooing and romancing the girls. The girls gradually fall in love. They all get married at the end. There's nothing more interesting after that. But bizarre. If if you if you tuned in and you paid attention and that narrative kind of grabbed you and you stayed with me through that whole thing, I hope there's an image in your mind that's like accurate to how this movie is actually portrayed. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is what it's called. If you want to, the music's actually really, really good. 
in it. Oh, what's up, puppy dog? You want to say something to the people, puppy dog? You want to say something to the people? What do you have to say to the people, Otavanda? What do you have to say to the people? Do you have to say anything? <laughs> and they wish that one day puppies had rights. Passing all of their nights, just licking. Passing all of their nights, this puppy was sobbing, 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 fit to be tired. Every muscle was throbbing, throbbing, throbbing when he's outside. Well, he chases dogs and chases cats. Eats a lot of food till he gets fat. Just kidding. For some reason, he won't eat all his lunch. Why won't you eat your lunch? I just put his lunch in. You're making me kind of worried. I literally just put that food in there. Okay. Well, let's see if he's hungry. Nope. He's been doing this thing lately where he just, he'll eat like a few mouthfuls of his lunch at a time. I don't like it. It seems like he's not eating nearly enough. It's just bizarre. That's a movie that like I was, like my whole family would sit down and watch together and just enjoy. And granted, again, the music is really good. The music's really catchy. And this, the choreography as well. Like, it actually is a very well-put-together film. But thematically, it's just something that, like, being in 2020, you're like, what? Yeah. Even as, like, a... Like, the method by which they tried to, like, even out, like, a woman's influence and a man's influence, it's just, like, ultimately comes down to, like, the men are going to do whatever they want and the women are going to accept it despite the fact that, like, their logic was probably the best from the beginning. But it wasn't really the best because they would have never actually gotten the women if... This is me speaking sarcastically. This is just from the standpoint of the film. It's like, but they wouldn't have ever gotten the women if they had gone about it, like, the decent way. So, really, like, the women didn't really know what they were talking about. Like, the women were viewing it too idealistically, you know? You know? But ultimately, like, the whole premise of... The whole premise of why the guys couldn't go date the women in the first place was because of the, the men of the city. It had nothing to do with what... Like, the women actually wanted to date them. So their whole logic for, like, kidnapping them was to try to circumvent what the men in the city wanted for the women. So it was like, the whole thing is just like... It's like, okay, okay I'm alright. The whole thing is why our grandparents call us snowflakes because it's just so fucked up when we see it. But you just said the whole thing is why our grandparents call us snowflakes... I don't necessarily. I don't feel like a snowflake in my dissertation of that film. No, I'm just saying that like we can clearly see that there's just like some really fucked up ideas. Yeah, ideologies. Like that's the 1960s. And it's like it's not that far away. From being in 2020 and watching it, it's like kind of disturbing. Yeah, just because like. It's our grandparents' logic. Like why they're so fucking. Stupid. Yeah. They sat there hoping one day women had rights, passing all of their nights just sewing. And like, granted, I feel like it's so on the nose intentionally. Again, like they're trying to almost, they're trying to paint him as a misogynistic character, I guess, who like 
gets redeemed at the end. But just the way they do it doesn't actually redeem anything. It doesn't teach anything. It doesn't learn anything. If anything, it reinforces that idea of, like, your girl is the girl that you choose. Doesn't really matter if she chooses you. She will eventually. All right, I'm harping on it a little too much. That's no effects on my voice, by the way. That was all done in my vocal cords. Bizarre. Man, I wish, like... There's a whole level of context that you need to understand language, you know? Like, if I make a noise and it means the same thing every time I make it, or in certain situations it takes on a slightly different meaning, I can just do that, and the people around me will eventually catch on. And, But that context is required in order to have understanding. This is why, like, memes are so powerful. Context. Context. You have to create a context. I think the goal is... Okay, here's the question. Is a goal of being understood inherently flawed as a premise? Maybe in some senses, maybe in others not. If you're a communicator, then to be understood is pretty important. I choose my language based on wanting to be understood. There's a reason why when I was describing that movie, if I said the wife, I would sometimes add like the oldest brother's wife to kind of give that context of how... Because I know the first time I introduced... Her, it was like, the brother's looking for a wife, he finds the wife. So just saying the wife could be a little cloudy in certain contexts. So yeah, there are... I'm thinking about what I'm delivering as I'm delivering it in order to hopefully try to create a very clear image in your mind. Because I'm trying to communicate. If I wasn't, then I would probably be... Well, I mean, last week's episode's a good example. I wasn't necessarily trying to communicate with y'all. I was really just trying to communicate with myself. So I can leave it a lot looser. Because I understand what I need to understand from the phrases. And that's different than... Needing you to understand what I mean. But... Even that, okay, so here's where I think the, the premise is flawed. Like, needing you to understand what I mean is anyone's understanding, any two people's understanding is going to be slightly different depending on their perspective, right? There's that John Bellion lyric. Changing the fucking spectrum, I need you to understand. Like, I took a fall for some drugs, I've been nominated for grams. No matter how much he needs us to understand, there are a lot of differing perspectives on that, dude, you know? 
So as a core tenant of living, I think it's probably up there, right? Like you want to be understood, but at the same time, it can't be the main driving force of life. Because isn't to be understood, don't you have to be in the first place? And, like, the energy that it takes to be, just be, is simultaneously <laughs> the energy that it takes to be is, like, it takes a lot of energy, but also not at the same time. It's just, it's kind of the constant process of making sure your your heart, your mind's in the right place, but a lot of that doesn't really hinge upon anyone else's understanding that you're trying to get your heart and mind in the right place. That's just literally you taking the time to do it. And it happens whether anyone sees it happen or not, whether anyone understands that it happens or not. And a lot of times if people are going to understand that that happened, it's probably going to come in a very indirect way, a way that you engage with a situation later on down the road that they observe and just get a sense that you're doing something different or that you're doing something right, that you're having the proper, you know, self-analysis in the moment. So as usual, I don't think it can really be broken down to a, like, wanting to be understood as good or bad. It's just like it is what it is and it sits where it sits. It is what it is. Some people really hate that statement. And I guess I even understand that, you know? Because you can create ripples, you know? You can take action. Something may be what it is. That doesn't mean it can't be something else. I'm about to I'm about to loop, my dude. At this Even point, I'm... you say it is what it is, it is what it is, but that doesn't mean you don't accept that it's not something else. But, like, in the moment, it is what it is. You can't change things in a moment, you know what I mean? But the only time you can change things is in the moment. But not drastically. You don't sometimes. Have, not sometimes, but a lot of times you can't. It's not like a chess, like, it's not a... The point I'm making is it's not so cut and dry. Regardless, it's not cut and dry. That's why I'm like, I'm actually going to wind back. I'm going to step away because it's like, at a certain point, I'm just moving furniture around. I mean, that's all this podcast really is anyways, is me moving furniture around. But did you understand that metaphor? I need you to understand when I say I'm moving furniture around, it means not with my hands, but with my mind. Moving around space and time. I need you to understand. No, I'm, I'm, I'm right. A lot of energy. We're good. We're done. We're done. This, is, this has been a good episode. I hope you have a good week. I hope you enjoy the... Uh, I hope you enjoy the new tradition of smearing... Turkey grease all over the plexiglass dividers that I assume are going to be between you and your roommates and 
your family, basically whoever lives in your house that you're eating Thanksgiving. I'm assuming you're going to have plexiglass dividers up between all of you. And in order to share the moment, you can doodle hand turkeys with mashed potatoes on them. All right. See you next week. Bye-bye.